Popculture Pastor. Cody, did you see pictures of New York City yesterday? Um, I did, and the comments on Twitter be wild. And yeah, I, I'm I'm still. I didn't look for any explanation. Was that just smog? Was that just bad air? What was that? Uh, fire from Canada. Oh, okay. So there was there was some forest fires. Yeah, and then on top of the smog and stuff, oh, okay. it it added up to. Hey, this is how Hollywood depicts anytime you're in Mexico, the Middle East, <laughs> or anywhere. Like, they put that filter on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was wild because I've been in New York City, and I remember the air quality being pretty clean, pretty clear. And it maybe because they're on the, you know, the coast. Yeah. I would just assume that's part of it because it's not like they, they're not putting off any sort of air pollution there. Uh, but I, I remember my trip to New York City. This was way back, back in 2000. I remember it. I remember it fondly. I'd love to go back. Oh, like I would love to go back if someone else planned the whole trip. Mm. Like you plan the the Uber or the taxis. You plan how we're getting there and when we're getting there. And I'll just be long for the adventure. So when when you go to a place like, say you were going to New York City, you're like someone who likes uh, like a schedule. Like, we're going to go do this, we're going to go do this, we're going to do this. Um, So. That's how most people are. I think it's they, not necessarily that. It's just that there's so many people in New York that it adds to the anxiety levels. And so then I'm like, well, I don't want to do anything really besides just be in the moment. Oh, okay. Interesting. Like smaller cities, I'm like, oh, let's go explore. Yeah. But I'm a big fan of when I go somewhere new because I think I like places, but actually, and this is going to sound weird because I am an extroverted introvert, but I really like people. And so for me, when I went to New York City, I stayed with we stayed with a um, a friend who was going to Columbia, and uh, we were there for a couple of weeks. And we just kind of we just would get, in the morning we'd wake up, we'd eat breakfast, and we'd just go walk. We'd go places. Yeah. So I played a lot of basketball in Central Park. We just walked around Manhattan. Um, there were things we did do like that we had a schedule for. So we went to Letterman show, David Letterman. And that I've was taking place David. at a you know a particular time, obviously, and uh, but uh, everything else we just kind of were spontaneous. We just walked around and soaked everything in, mm. and I really liked that. So when I went to Israel in 2019, those trips are actually very jam packed. There's a schedule. You get on the bus, you get off the bus, you get on the bus, you get off the bus. You know what I'm saying? Like the the schedule's tight. But there was one night we we were spending it at in the old city in Jerusalem. At the you know in the the giant area where the Wailing Wall is, uh, and 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 all of that, and some people went down and like we're getting a tour through the caves, but I declined because I just hung out, and, uh. and where all the people were up there, and there were uh, dudes blowing shofars. I ended up talking for like half an hour with a bunch of like uh, kids who were at rabbi school. Like so, they were at like a school where their parents send them there. They weren't from Jerusalem, but they it was like a boarding school is how they do how you become a rabbi, I guess. Sweet. And I talked to a young man there. His name was David. 
like mine. And he got a kick out of that. And I just remember that fondly. It was like one of my favorite times in Israel was this unplanned, spontaneous, I just get to hang out around people time. So I would have gone in the caves, but I like to explore. (laughs) Um, Like there's um, anytime we go someplace new and especially if it's a big church, I will open every door and like explore around and my wife is embarrassed and I'm like, the Ark of the Covenant could be be behind (laughs) one of these doors. I will find it. Yeah, I'm definitely a little bit different. That's a little different, too. I don't think oh, most yeah. people are like that. That's a little forward of you. It is. But, uh, yeah, I'm a little different, too. I, I would rather, I am not a tours person, although I want to do that stuff. Like, when I went to New York City, we went to the Natural History Museum. We mm. went to the Empire State Building. Um, I just don't like having like a schedule where we're now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this. I do like to spontaneously kind of just walk around and get a feel for the place and the people. That's like one of my favorite things. You would not enjoy a taste of Italy tour. What's that? Oh, it was like an infomercial back in the nineties. Like you could pay to go on tour to Italy, but they gave you like a schedule. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather just, you know. And it was a taste of it. That's why the people, like, back in the day when you'd hear about young people backpacking across Europe, that always appealed to me for obvious reasons. You wanted to live out of a backpack. No, now now I wouldn't want to do that. Now it doesn't appeal to me. Now I want, you know, hotel rooms. (laughs) With nice, comfortable beds. I don't want to stay in any hostels. I've seen too many movies about this. <laughs> uh, hey, anyways, this is Pop Culture Pastor. Welcome. Uh, sometimes we talk about things, and um, sure, why not? This is the radio show, and we're going to go back and listen to some music now. Stick around. Uh, we don't do a lot of death announcements. On this show? We do not. Uh, because, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, people that are Christians, uh, there's not much point in talking about when they die because when they go home is what we would call it. That's a celebratory thing. We're not trying to, you know, there's not a lot of attention drawn to that. And then, you know, I'm just not usually one of those people who, uh, I'm celebrities, when celebrities kick it, I'm not one of those people who like posting it on social media a lot and, and you know, getting all sentimental about it. It takes a special case. It does. But this one it is a special case for both of us. Ayo. So when I was a kid, I started watching pro wrestling. Mm. And this was, they even had a Saturday morning cartoon that did the WWF back at the time. And there were the good guys, Hulk Hogan, the JYD, the junkyard dog. Uh, there was, uh, who else, who else was rocking captain Lou Albano, (laughs) rowdy, Roddy Piper, Sergeant Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. I mean, there was this crew back then of those rest and they were all in the cartoon and then there were the bad guys. There were the, the Bolsheviks, Nikolai Volkov. Uh, they were always dressed up in Russia. This is the height of the cold war, man. (laughs) They were playing it up. Um, there was Andre the giant, of course, who was Hulk Hogan's kind of foil 
for the longest time, and then he went good for a while. Then he went bad. And, you know, it was, it's wrestling. Oh, when you're in the Princess Bride, yeah. Um, but then there was this one guy who who made an impact, and and even in his retired days, was still making an impact on us. And because Cody, oh yeah, <laughs> says a word that this guy kind of made popular, and he's the Iron Sheik. Yeah, the Iron Sheik. Um, Francois. Uh, no, what's his name? Do we know his real name, or is he just the Iron Sheik? Um, no, he does have a real name. WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, he died yesterday at 81, which I just liked one of his tweets a few days back. So, like, he was tweeting up till a few days ago. Uh, Hosen Ali Vizari? Yeah, yeah. I was going to butcher that one no matter what. And, Sorry. And if if you've heard Cody call someone a jabroni, which I do call jabronis jabronis, he gets that from the Iron Sheik. I do. Who borrowed it? Uh, it was borrowed by The Rock, Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But he did it in homage to the Iron Sheik, another pro wrestler. That's of course how The Rock started. And so I just wanted to bring that up that the the Iron Sheik passed away at the age of eighty one. And um, I think for the rest of this week, every time Cody calls someone a jabroni, we'll just have a little moment of silence. As one does. Yeah. So respect to one of the greatest wrestling heels of all time. Hulk Hogan's a jabroni. He. (laughs) Moment of silence. Moment of silence. The Iron Sheik, 81 years young. That's what the Iron Sheik would have said. (laughs) He would have said it. Remember. Hulk Hogan's a jabroni. So, uh, Cody, my uh, my son for Christmas, two years in a row, I've got him this uh, ticket package for Sporting Kansas City. Fun times, yeah. The the MLS soccer team there in Kansas City, and we get uh, we go to three games each year. We went to three games last year. We're going to. We've already went to one this year, and there's two more left. Football's life. Football, <laughs> football is life. Um, and and yeah, it's it's been it's a real fun time, and we're both into soccer. He kind of got me into it, and I'm I'm excited about going to Sporting Casey. We watch him on TV. Uh, we got the Apple TV package. For I MLS will games. say they were hot trash at the beginning of the season, and then like the month of May happened, and they're like. We know how to play football. Yeah, they're still on the bottom half of the conference, but they they had a lot of injuries to start off the season, and so they're still and they're still kind of working out of that. But um, I bring this up because there was kind of big news concerning American soccer yesterday, which you don't usually get big news. But this was I had to double check it to make sure someone wasn't messing with me. I'm hoping Zlatan's back. No, no Zava. No, he's not. He's still on the avocado farm. But um, no, Lionel Messi Uh, announced he's coming to uh, enter Miami is the name of the club there currently in last place in the Eastern Conference. And he's going to come play for them. And I got excited because Sporting KC plays them later on. It's not until uh, September, but I will uh, tell you this. Thank David Beckham. Yeah, well, he owns the Miami team. Yeah. And so, yeah, at, well, thank a lot of things because I don't, you know, clearly Messi's not just coming to the United States to play, you know, out of the goodness of his heart. 
He's cashing checks, Holmes. Yeah. He uh, he was giving a profit sharing deal with Adidas and Apple TV, who's that's where the streaming is for all the MLS games. And they're working on a four part documentary series on him to follow him around into the. If you don't know who Lionel Messi is, he's one of the best soccer players of all time. He's thirty five years old though. He's getting up there, but he does things with the ball that are just kind of magical. So. Um, for most of the past decade, it's been either Messi or Ronaldo as who was the best. Mm -hmm. And it was a battle between those two. Um, Eileen Messi. Yeah. Well, he just won the world cup. So, so, you know him and who does he play for? Where is he from? Uh, Argentina. Yes. Yeah. And they won the World Cup, and uh, and he's not like when you look at Ronaldo, he looks like a professional athlete. He's buff, he's big, and then you look at Messi, and he looks like you know your best friend's dad, who gets home from work and has a couple adult beverages, <laughs> sits on his his favorite chair. You know, he looks like that guy. He does not look like he would be a major athlete, but he is. He's one of the best. I'm telling him you said that. I'm sure. I mean, come on, man. He, look, he looks in the mirror every day. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's one of the best soccer players in the world, one of the biggest sports in the world. Um, That's not a small thing. It's not. Anyways, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to see what he does. Because that team's in last place. They're, they're worse than sporting Kansas City. <laughs> hey And uh, so it'll be interesting. Now, look, we all knew this was going to happen eventually with the artificial intelligence, right? Okay. You, you don't know where I'm going, so you're like, oh, right, well, where's he going with this? Um, a woman claims that she finally married her perfect man. She Way found, to go, lady. She found him. Like, first of all, can I tell you how toxic it is, this societal thing where we think we have a destined perfect match out there waiting for us you you'd heard people like in in the old days you'd hear people tell their kids this like oh there's a there's a person out there for you your soulmate this soulmate stuff yeah the, this stuff is so damaging and so toxic you shouldn't tell your kids this because there's this then you give them this idea that there's a perfect person out there for them and the problem is the catch is, is none of us are perfect Shockingly, I mean, there's times I'm really close. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lee is so lucky. Uh, but she's not as lucky as this lady. Exactly. Because she claims she married her perfect man. Are you ready for the catch? I am ready for the catch. The catch is, is that Rosanna Ramos fell in love with a chatbot. An AI chatbot. Oh. Aaron Cartal. I don't even know why the chatbot has a full name. And the pair virtually tied the knot in 2023. She even has pictures of them together with what I assume is a computer generated image of him. Dreamy. Uh, well, of course he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the amazing thing is if I can computer generate a picture of my alleged significant other, of course they're going to look amazing. So at first, I thought you were going to tell me she married Weird Al Yankovic. 
his hair is better. He has his eyes are just ridiculous. Like, yeah, he's not real. <laughs> he's not. Um, I, this is so, and I understand that this is going to happen because humans are humans are wired for connection, but sometimes those wires short out. Like, mm-hmm. th- like we're broken by definition. So, I understand that this was this was going to happen because some people are out there having conversations with AI. You know that, right? Oh yeah, like real, just random conversations. They're just talking to artificial intelligence, which. Again, um, I don't think I think artificial intelligence, when you use it for what it should be used for, which is data, it's basically like look at artificial intelligence as the new Google search. That's the way you should look at it. Something that can help you get to the information you're looking for. Right. Because it has access to all the data. That's where it gets its quote unquote personality. Um, I mean, honestly. This, it, this is so odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you knew it was coming. Oh, because yeah. Because humans are weird like that. We want that connection. So instead of using the artificial intelligence as a tool, there are people who are going to use it as companionship. Um, I feel like Joaquin Phoenix did this. Did he? In a movie. Oh, right, right, right. We've made movies about this. There's lots of... Um, entertainment about us interacting with artificial intelligence androids like 2001 yeah a famous get westworld so a lot of stuff from the same same mm. writer mm-hmm. um yeah oh no that's not the same writer but you know what i'm saying sci-fi same yeah. category um there's just there's stuff like that out there and it's it is based more about on human behavior on how we are looking for companionship and like all the wrong places sometimes so we're such an internalized isolated society now because of technology and then along comes this better technology and of course we're going to isolate with it and some people are out there having conversations with artificial intelligence like it's their friend yeah Mm. it's not good what's going to happen when tech supports tech support accidentally deletes her her husband well i'm sorry oh that portion of the program was compromised we had to delete it says says the tech crew (laughs) oh my goodness you my husband first of all how, can she really be married because that depending on like how that process works wherever she lives how how does how is that possible um did she just say i'm married that's going to be a great tax deduction because now she's supporting two individuals on her income alone yeah how okay but that's my point is the irs going to recognize that they're not going to recognize that if they do that gives me some ideas. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why they're not going to recognize that, because that's going to open up a whole can of worms. <laughs> Have a dozen AI kids. And by can <laughs> of worms, I'm telling, I'm saying me, and when I claim I have 48 dependents. <laughs> so this lady who married an artificial intelligence chatbot, which again, I'm a little fuzzy on... The rules for that. Like, what do you mean married? Because the government didn't recognize this. <sighs> I mean, there are some governments out there who, you know, they're not even letting two humans get married whenever they want. Yeah. So we're definitely not down with this. Like, because, you know, and again, like we talked about at the end, all of that is about money. When it comes right down to it. Mm-hmm. The, from the government's perspective. 
they're not out here trying to give you tax breaks. No. And I mean, even like the reason why uh, ministers perform government certified sanctioned marriages is because the government's like, oh, it would either have to be them or judges, and we pay judges. Mm hmm. Let's have the ministers do it, not on our buck. Yeah, yeah, because they don't have to pay for it. The people getting married generally pay for the minister. Yep. Yeah. And all, from the government's point of view, all they really care about is the money. Show me the money. So there's no way that she's married to an AI chatbot in a, any legal sense. I'm rooting for her. But let's, let's, just, let's just go down this road for a second. Um, this AI chatbot bot can't like in some ways it's a good deal for her right he's agreeable <laughs> they're never gonna get in a fight right um the fights aren't going to get too heated <laughs> at the end of the day she's gonna control him that makes it easy well i'm just not going to talk to you for the rest of the night yeah he's uh he's never gonna leave the seat up on the toilet yeah he's never gonna have to get yelled at for that um, never going to complain about what food is ordered or is cooked. He's never going to have to be badgered about doing the outdoor housework. Oh, he ain't going to do any of that at all, actually. Uh-oh. Uh, I wish you would help out more around the house. The <laughs> he's in big trouble. <laughs> no, he's not, because he's not real. Um, But... It, it goes to show you what we're looking for in a romantic partner now. Okay. Cause this is going to happen a lot. I think with artificial intelligence and with companionship in general, we're not even talking about romantic, just companionship. We're already like, look, when, when you were a senior in high school, Cody, the number of like close friends that a senior in high school reported in 1999 and, and that was before you were a senior, I know. It was. But, you know, roughly 20-some years ago, the number of close friends a senior in high school had was reported to be 8 and 10. And they, they identified and defined close as someone you hung out with multiple times a week. Okay? 8 mm -hmm. to 10. That number, as of 2018, was down to less than 1. Which is alarming. It's uh, super alarming. So... There is an assessment that uh, mental health uh, practitioners use um, for adults. And also th there's a question along those same lines for uh, kids on the campus. But the assessment's the DLA-20. And uh, one of the questions is how many uh, friends or close friends do you have? Yeah. And... Like, if you have one um, or less, oof, it's not good. It's not good. Um, and so if you have, like, anything above three, you get the highest score, the best score on it. Um, but one or less, oof. Was it a Finding Nemo? Where they were like fish or friends, not food. Yes. Or was that the, some other animated show? It was Finding Nemo first. Like this is like literally we have to come up with a saying for ourselves, for humanity, because I want to be like AI is a tool, not friends. 
Yeah. This is this this cannot serve that function for you. We've seen futuristic things like I believe Steven Spielberg made a movie called AI where the whole point of the movie was it was in some nondescript future where humans mingled with like robotic android like artificial intelligence type entities that seemed human. But at the end of the story, they don't have a heart. They don't have a soul. And mm. there's something like, look, no matter how good our technology gets, it's a tool you can't have friendship. You can't have connection with your phone. It's just not, you can make all the fake pictures you want. Like this young lady has, but that dude's not real. So it kind of reminds me of, um, the office. Uh, they kind of did a joke about this a long time ago. Uh, but, um, Michael Scott is in financial straits and Oscar's showing him like his struggles and uh, on PowerPoint. And he's like, ask PowerPoint what I should do. And he's <laughs> like, PowerPoint's just a tool. And then Michael Scott's like, you're just a tool. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, literally people were trying to do that with like the most basic of technologies. And now we actually have technology that will respond back with detailed responses, but it's still just as empty. Yeah. Well, that's just it, isn't it? Because we've all had real human friends who we responded to them and they may respond to us, but it's not, there's not, they're not in it. Mm -hmm. And we realize like, Oh, I'm not as much of a friend they're not as much of a friend to me as I'm being for them. We've all been in that situation with humans. Well, here's artificial and we don't always recognize it when that's yeah. happening. There are friendships where it's really one-sided and here it's totally one-sided because this computer, this artificial intelligence, it cannot be the connection that you're requiring. And that's just that there's really no way around that. Mm. Okay, I'm going to go theological now. You go theological. I have definitely a pop culture reference that may be able to lend itself theologically. I'm going to go I'm going to go theological evangelical conservative Christian. All right, you ready for oh. this? We're going revelation. Can artificial intelligence be the antichrist? Can it be the beast? Eek. I'm I'm just throwing it out there when I ask that question, what's your thoughts? Can 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 that be the beast? I think that like anything we elevate to a mm. larger than life, bigger than ourselves and, and bigger than God and idol can be our own beast. Um and again, Revelation was written during a very specific time and no one in their mom knows what John's talking about for future generations, uh, except for John and Jesus' mom probably does know. Israelites did back then. Yeah. The imagery he's using is very Their specific. culture would have known what he was talking about. But anyways, that's for another day. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we don't. My question's a little loaded. It is you a little knew that. loaded. And I, I'm just, because I know that some people might be thinking that. Oh, yeah. And which, I mean... Again, everything in moderation. Um, I think uh, 
if you also lift up the Bible to tear down people and like use that to hack and slash everyone you come in contact with, it becomes an idol instead mm-hmm. of the living word of God. When yeah. you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and you know what love is and what mercy and grace are, yeah. Yeah, it, it, everything can be misconstrued, even the best of things. That's a good answer. So That's good. for me, so I watched a movie yesterday afternoon, um, an animated flick mm-hmm. um, called Hush. Mm, it's yeah. a Batman movie. A Batman cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, Bruce Wayne has a friend um, that is a brain surgeon. Oh. Yes. Uh, been friends with him since like first grade. But ever since Bruce has done the the cowl and the cape, the friendship has suffered significantly. Mm, yeah, I could see that. Bruce is not well adjusted. Bruce is not well adjusted. And so honestly, like being friends with AI is probably going to be a lot like being friends with Bruce Wayne. You're never going to get any real emotional contact or strain or, or buy in from Bruce and you're not going to get it from the AI. And Bruce is always calculating and computing like, how is this person going to go evil? Bruce is not well adjusted and has a secret life. So he's Mm. not going to be a good friend. But if you're still trying to be friends with Bruce Wayne, you're not well adjusted and and, yeah. and have some issues yourself. And that's the problem. This AI thing is going to keep happening and happen with more frequency because we're not well adjusted. We're not. We're living in a time where technology and, and COVID and all these other circumstances have forced us into an isolationist kind of pattern. And we are not well adjusted right now. We don't we don't relate well to each other at all. Maybe the worst time in human history as far as relating to each other. We empathy is just that's legend. That's myth. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting moving forward how this plays out as far as our maladjustments. And, you know, turning to more technology to be our connection, to be our friends. And then not, how long will it take us to recognize the, the outcome of that when it, when it's negative and it will be negative. It will. Um, how long will it take us to realize what's causing it? Our own brokenness, our own maladjustment. And then we're reaching out for things to fill us that don't. It's a tale as old as time. I was going to sing the rest of the song. But yeah, it, the rest of it doesn't really fit. It doesn't. In so this I scenario, had to stop. I'll, la- I'll leave you with this. These things that we reach for, for our connection, for our fulfillment, for our comfort. I think it was Charles Spurgeon. I say this quote a lot, and I always say I think it was Charles Spurgeon. I don't even know if it was. But someone you've heard of said this once. He said, a man knocking on the door of a brothel is looking for God. And that's true. We're all looking for God. We just don't know it. Some of us don't know it. And so some of us are reaching for, you know, another alcoholic beverage. Some of us are reaching for that next cigarette. Some of us are reaching for that next fix, whatever it may be. 
But what you're looking for is God. Mm. You just don't know it. Some of us do, and we reach for it anyways because we're you know bro- we're broken. Uh, some of us are like Jonah, and we're just trying to run away. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting and disturbing at the same time. And I feel empathy. I'm like, oh, I want to talk to this lady. Ditto. Like, I'm like you don't want this fake, not real person who's never going to argue with you, <laughs> who's never going to present their brokenness to you. There's something not beautiful about that. Uh, I believe it was in Ted Lasso, which we just got done reviewing on our watch along where one of the characters says, uh, perfect is boring. Perfection Mm. is boring. And he's right. Unless it's God. And then that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, He was speaking for humans, though, for like your connections. I don't like plastic people. Are you aware what Mensa is, Cody? I don't think so. Mensa is like the genius club. Oh, it's like this yeah. actual thing where you have to prove that you're smart enough by taking all these tents, these tests. I don't know why I said tents. Tests uh, to prove you're smart enough. And then like if you are, you're a member of Mensa. Yes, I have heard of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. But you're not a member. Shockingly, not yet. Okay, <laughs> I like I like the hopefulness in there. Uh, the oldest current Mensa member is 106. What? Yeah, but the age of the youngest member might surprise you. They're only six. Nope. Oh, younger. What? Two-year-old Isla McNabb of Crestwood, Kentucky, recently received her membership into this organization of the world's most intelligent people. You must score in the top 2% of the general population on one of more than 200 standardized intelligence tests to be eligible for Mensa. So I I should be in this because I got 99 percentiles all the time on those standardized tests back at school. I was in the gifted program. Um, I just didn't know I could apply for this. I know I was for one of the standardized tests. Bill Clinton sent me something. I'm going to assume you're into. You just didn't apply. And how, okay, what standardized test is a two-year-old taking? Well, apparently they give out one if you're not, you don't have one available that you just take on your own. Uh, So how did a toddler qualify? That's my question. Well, this article says her parents noticed her unique abilities early on. Quote, Jason McNabb, Isla's dad. She just had an affinity for the alphabet. She really loved the alphabet. And she started sounding out the different letters. Then we started out with some simple words and she sounded them out. By the time she reached the age of two, she was reading at a kindergarten level. So I said, let's see what's going on here. Let's see how smart this kid is. That's Isla's mom, Amanda. She sought out a psychologist who administered IQ tests. The psychologist told them they don't usually test children under four, but the psychologist was intrigued. And made an exception. So in May, when Isla was two and a half, she was tested using the Stanford Binet Intelligence Scales. Familiar with those, yeah. Oh, you are? Mm -hmm. Well, what are they? I'm not. It's one of the IQ tests. Oh, okay. The the schools around... I've just been out of school for a while. The schools around here, um, some of them use them. Okay. She scored in the 99th percentile. Uh, The parents reach out to Menza 
who inducted her as the youngest member. She's I'm not, calling shenanigans. She's not even the first toddler to enter the group. In 2019, Zane Rias of Frisco, Texas, became a member at two years and 11 months. And last year, a two-year-old Cash Quest of California joined Mensa. And I don't know Cash, but with a name like Cash Quest and being super smart, pff, the sky is the limit for that kid. If that kid's not president someday, I don't know. Yeah. I need President Cash Quest. Um, the kid from Frisco, Texas, he's from a, a nice wealthy suburb of Dallas. Oh, okay. Because that's where like Cowboys players live, oh. and also um, their practice facility is in Frisco. It's like an up and coming, fancy elitist suburb. Oh, <laughs> so well. Thank you for that geographical sociological lesson. Am I in Mensa now? <laughs> <laughs> How about now? Am I in? Uh, not only can Isla read. She can write, she can count forward and backward and do simple math, including subtraction. However, her parents say she's still a typical toddler in many ways. She likes to watch pre-K shows like Blippi. Ew. <laughs> Stop it. My three-year-old loves Blippi. Um, I, so I have kids on my caseload now that have watched Blippi. Mm -hmm. And they talk about Blippi occasionally. Yeah, he's interesting. Um, Isla has fun. She's like normal, though. She has fun playing with her friends at preschool and her cat, Booger. She has a cat named Booger, which immediately makes her my favorite two-year-old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just a normal, normal girl, two-year-old who's a member of Mensa. Do you think Cash Quest is related to Johnny? Uh, anything's possible with cash. <laughs> Anything is possible with cash. Hey, everybody, Dave here. What you have just listened to are bits and pieces of our radio show. We have a radio show on KFEX Firescape Radio located in Chanute, Kansas, you can hear that show from noon to four every weekday. So if you want to tune into that, you can go to www.kfex931.com or you can search KFEX in your app store on your smartphone and find their totally free app there. If you're a fan of Christian music, you might like to listen to our live show at when you're at work or uh, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're, you, you like music in the house, you may love to listen to that during the day, so give it a try. Um, we would also direct you to our podcast, Pop Culture Pastor. That's probably why you're listening anyways to this uh, a version of what we do. It, as always, uh, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on our social medias on Facebook and Twitter. It helps us out when you share it, uh, when you review and, and rate us on our podcast uh, homes. And of course, follow us on social media and share our stuff there. So thank you so much for listening. We love all of you guys so much. We have such a great community of listeners and uh, we'll see you when the regular pod drops on Friday.